Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So today's Gospel needs no introduction. We read from Matthew chapter 13, and the main subject of today's Gospel was... Well, watch was the command that was given over and over, but the subject Jesus was talking about was what? End of the world. Okay, everyone's favorite subject is the end of the world. And the reason why we read about this, told you all this before, is the readings of the church follow the, there's like a, like a uh, students, okay, you're in your, you're starting your classes and you get a syllabus at the beginning of the semester, right? So there's a syllabus for everything we do in the church. And the syllabus, the roadmap is the creed. Okay, so the creed gives us exactly what it is we're going to study this year. So the Coptic year begins on September 12th. September 12th. It's not 11th or 12th. It's 12th this year because of leap year. Okay, every four years it's September 12th. So the Coptic day leap year. I haven't started my sermon, by the way. Okay, this doesn't count on my time. This is just because you got the wrong answer. September 11th is the first day of the Coptic year. So whenever there's a leap year, the Coptic calendar adds an extra day at the end of the year. So it adds a day after September 10th. It adds a day at the end of the year. Okay, so that last month of the Coptic year usually has five days, but every four years it has six days. So therefore, the new year gets pushed to September 12th. And everything is off by one day until February 29th. So in 2024, we'll have February 29th, and that's where things reset. Does that make sense? Everyone adds a day, but we add them at different times. So the church calendar adds it on September between, uh, adds it after September 10th. So September 11th is that new day of the last year. And then everything is a day off, 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 until you get to February 29th, day off, and then February 20, or yeah, February 29th is where the extra day gets added on this side. That's why, again, this is not part of my sermon yet, but Christmas during this year, okay, is celebrated, should be celebrated on what day? January 8th. Did you know that? It should be on January 8th. Now, we don't do that. We keep it on January 7th. But all the other feasts move up a day. So Epiphany is usually January 19th, but next year it'll be January 20th. Okay, same thing with Wedding of Cain of Galilee, Presentation of the Temple. Everything is off by a day. Christmas, we keep it because it's Christmas. <laughs> And it works out good because we don't start the fast. We start the fast a day later. There's one day less of fasting. Okay, so, huh? The church is helping us out here. So nobody complained about that. We should keep the church. No, no, no. That's a good one. Okay, we're happy on that one. So anyway, so we're at the end of the year. So at the end of the year, okay, we read, we talk about the end of the creed. So the beginning of the creed, which will start the, the new year, focuses on God the Father, because that's the beginning of the creed. That's the first paragraph. And then his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's like the second season of the church, which really begins around the, the pre-Christmas season, starting in Advent. It's all focused on Christ, his incarnation, his birth, his baptism, then 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, okay, and then Pentecost. So that whole season right there is focused on that middle paragraph of the creed, which is the longest section of the creed and the longest section of the church year, focused on Christ. And then the third half, or third half, third section, okay, third section is uh, the Holy Spirit. 
And it's not just the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit in the church and the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And the work of the Holy Spirit in the church is in the people. That's why the beginning of that is about the apostles. Okay, that's the, the, the season that we begin with, that, that third section. Okay, and it talks about we believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church. Again, that's the church. That's the apostles. That's St. Mary. Okay, the life of the Holy Spirit in the world, in, in the people. And then the very last section of the creed, the last sentence that we say is what? We sing it at the very end. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. So the church finishes up the last two Sundays of the year, of the Coptic year, which is today and next Sunday, is focused on that, the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. And that's why we read this gospel from Mark chapter 13. And next week we'll read a very similar gospel from the, from the account of St. Matthew, okay? I haven't started my sermon yet. That's all just pre-warm-up stuff, okay? I love preaching on the days where we don't have the well in Sunday school, the holiday days. It was actually supposed to be Buddha and Timothy, but then I saw when we had canceled the well, everything, that's my because there's no time crunch, okay? I'm not in a rush. Y'all aren't in a rush. We got plenty of time, so everyone relax. We're going to take our time here today. I'm just joking. In this passage from Mark chapter 13 about the end of the world, there was a lot of vivid imagery. Would you agree with that? A lot of vivid imagery. So a couple things stuck out to me. Okay, and I'll share what stuck out to me, but I'd like to know what stuck out to you from this passage. It's, uh, it's an interactive Sunday. It's Labor Day, right? Labor Day. So it's a day off for me, so I'm going to have you help me with the sermon, okay? <laughs> so I get my, 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 my holiday as well. What stuck out to you from this sermon, or from this gospel? What imagery? There was a lot of it. What stuck out? Peaches and cream. Happy and dandelions. Okay, abomination. Okay. Watch, okay. Huh? Say what? Chaos, okay, very good. What other words stuck out to you? Wars? Famines? What'd you say? Earthquakes? Go ahead. Say? Betrayal? Okay, there was that one in there about father, uh, that a child would deliver his parents up to, to, to death. If you got middle school kids, be careful of that one in particular, okay? That's like, middle school's like, yeah, it's in the Bible, see, okay? Yeah. So there's all kinds of bad stuff. Let me give you some more of them. Okay, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, troubles, sorrows, uh, deliver you up to councils, brought before rulers and kings, uh, arrest you, deliver you up, uh, brother betray brother, father his child, children will rise up against parents. Lord have mercy on us. Abomination of desolation. Woe to those who are pregnant. Woe to those who are nursing babies, which is like half of the church, it seems like, at some point. Okay? False Christ, false prophets, deception, tribulation. Like all these bad words. All these tough things. The sun will be darkened. The stars will fall from heaven. Like, you read this and like, bad, 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 bad. But there was two things that stuck out to me. One stuck out as a like, huh? One didn't fit in there. Like a, Really? And then the other one, as a, like, I'm going to hold on to that one in my pocket that I felt God wanted us to, 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 to hold on to. So the one that troubled me is in the middle of all that, Jesus said, do not be troubled. That's a strange, let me say that again. And that's in the middle of, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. That's a strange thing to say. If I say earthquake, that's trouble. If I say uh, uh, parents against kids and kids against parents, I say famines, I say pestilence, I say tribulation, 
What I am saying is, be troubled. Like those are all troubling things. But somehow Jesus says, do not be troubled. We'll come back to that. The other thing that he said that I took note of was he said, do not be deceived. Take heed that no one deceives you. And the reason why, maybe it's just me. I don't mind. Of course, I do mind. If someone does something bad to you, like if you hurt me, okay, that one. But if you deceive me, that's worse. Like if you, you, you're bigger and stronger than me and you overpower me, okay, you're bigger and stronger than me. But if you deceive me, that's like shame on me. Like, I don't want to be deceived by anyone. You may hurt me because I can't do anything about it, but, but deceived, that's like, that one's on me. So I'm going to take special note of that, do not be deceived. So what I want to talk about today is do not be troubled, which I don't understand, and do not be deceived, which I think is related to do not be troubled. Why Jesus would say do not be troubled in the middle of all this bad stuff. How can he say that? I'm off today. How can Jesus say, do not be troubled? And in fact, I'll go one up on you. I think it'll be next week. We're going to read the same subject, and the readings will be the, the same concept, but different readings. So I think next week, we'll read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I believe, I'm not sure about that. Where actually, St. Paul talks about the end, and he actually goes even one step beyond, do not be troubled. He says, therefore, he talks about all these things, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Talks about all this destruction, all this disaster, therefore, comfort one another. So how is it that these things can, A, be not troubling to me, and B, be comforting to me? How? Go ahead. Okay, if God is for us, who can be against us? Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay, he absolutely wants us to be at peace no matter what's going on. Harder, easier said than done, but that's absolutely true. What else you say? Trust in God. Okay. I look at it, everything you all said is good. Let's say you have an athlete who's running a race. Anyone here run a marathon? We got some runners over there. Okay, some marathon runners. I pretended to one time be a marathon runner, ran a half marathon. Mossy did it with me too, okay? We, we, we did it, okay, but we would not say, I would not say about myself in the marathon. I'm gonna say someone I signed up for the thing, got the t-shirt and stumbled across the finish line, okay? If you tell an athlete who's running a race, the end of the race is coming, First of all, if you're an athlete, if at least the way I was, I pace myself, pace myself, pace myself, and then I know the end is coming, and that's when? Turn on the jets, okay? Go as fast as you can. Which, again, in my case, is the difference between turtle and turtle plus a half a notch, okay? But in my mind, it's like, you know, Carl Lewis, or uh, probably Carl Lewis is outdated. Usain Bolt, okay, is what it is in my mind. If you tell an athlete the end of the race is coming, the end of the race is harder, because you push yourself harder. But you tell an athlete, the end of the race is coming. Is that comforting or not comforting? Absolutely. Why? Because it's the end of the race. Because after the race, I cross the finish line, I collapse to the floor, I rest, people shower me with water, okay, and bananas and, and, and little treats that they give you for free when you, when you, when you sign up for the thing. And it, it's over. Like the hard part is over. Like this, this is the race. None of, no one's upset when the race is over. You're upset when the race is, you're in it. <clears throat> but you know as a runner that it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, but the end is extra hard. But you, you push yourself through it because you want to cross that finish line. I think Jesus, 
Maybe if the athlete one is tough, the, the graduation, I would say that's another one potentially, like if you're in school, okay, in finals. When Jesus is telling us about the end, what he's saying is the end is near. The end is near. There's the finish line. Push yourself. It's going to be hard. Yeah, and you're going to want to collapse. And you're going to want to give up. But we look at it and we don't say it's like bad. We say it's like, I can't wait to get there. <clears throat> and that's the part where I think ties in with the deception. He says, do not be deceived. <clears throat> I want to say this. Thinking about heaven, heaven is the end result. Thinking about heaven should change the way I live on earth. Agree or disagree? Thinking about heaven should change the way I live on earth. So I think when Jesus tells us the end is coming, the end is coming. <clears throat> Sorry. When Jesus tells us the end is coming, the focus is not on the end. The focus is on what is after the end. The focus is on, I push, there's wars, there's troubles, but that's the path to get to, to get to the place that I want to get to, the, the home. That's where I get to my, Buddha Timothy, forever home, okay? That's where I get to the place that I want to be. And that's where I think the deception comes in. I think thinking about heaven changes the way I live on earth, and I'll prove it to you this way. If I told you today, <clears throat> um, we're going to go on vacation, we're going to take a trip. Your husband comes home or your wife comes home and says, we're taking a trip, it's a surprise. And, you, and says, go get packed. Go pack your suitcase as quickly as you can. What information do you need to know in order to pack properly? Where are we going? Because if I'm going to Alaska, it's different than I'm going to the beach. Or as if I'm going, you know, uh, skiing. Or as if I'm going, you know, bike riding. Like where I'm going determines what I carry. It determines every step along the way. Because you naturally, <clears throat> you naturally gravitate towards the things that are going to be beneficial towards where you think you're going. So if my goal in life, if all I'm thinking, this is the deception, is my goal is here on this earth, then you will naturally gravitate towards the things that benefit you on earth. What benefits you on earth? Money. Money's very important on earth. Can't get very far on earth with money. But if your destination is a place that doesn't take that kind of currency, then you're wasting your time. See how this works? So if I know that I'm going, again, I'm going skiing, I gotta get a good bathing suit. Now I gotta get that bathing suit. I, you're wasting your time. The bathing suit doesn't do you any good on the skiings. So if you are, are not properly realizing where your home is, and that's not constantly on our minds, then you're going to be improperly packed. You're gonna think, I need a lot of money because my goal is this earth. I need a big house. I need a new car. I need a second car. I need a, a bigger house for my second car. And that's what I think of when Jesus talked about how, you know, in the parable of the sower, which we will read in a couple of months. Okay, read it back to back. That's another one that's repeated on back to back weekends. Back to back weekends, the only two things in the, in the church that's repeated is that gospel of the sower that'll be right before Advent and this gospel of the end of the world. Those are the only two things that's repeated back to back. And in that, there's a type of soil, a type of, of, of there's a seed that's sown on the soil with the thorns. It's the third type. And who knows what Jesus said about that? That's the one that hear the word, and the blank of the world, the blank of the world, choke it out, the blank of the world, cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So I think the deception, the take heed, no one deceives you, is stop looking around at this world as if this is the place that we belong. And, and, and again, like my money and my care, even forget about that, my reputation. That person said this to me. Oh, I got to show them. That person, how dare they? 
and they disrespected me. And they would, I know people who were ready to lose their salvation if someone cut them off on the road on 495. Like, why? Why? Like, like why? Someone, someone deceived us. Someone has us thinking that the, the wrong thing is the right thing and the right thing is the wrong thing. Like, why? We're living for something much better, something much bigger. But you've got to keep that in your mind in order to live properly on this earth. Now, some would say, especially if you grew up in the church, <clears throat> isn't it wrong, isn't it bad to be confident that you're going to heaven? Like, it seems bad. Like, are you going to heaven? That right answer seems like it should be, I'm not worthy. Okay, and you have to bow like this when you do it. I'm not worthy, and I'm the worst, and I'm the biggest of all the sinners. And I'm not saying that's not true, that we're not worthy. I'm not saying I'm not a sinner. I'm not saying I'm the worst. I'm not saying I deserve heaven by any means. But I think that if that's how you're approaching life, that I don't know if I'm going to make it or not going to make it, it's going to be tough to live in this world. Think about it. If I'm driving home, okay, let's say me and my wife had a little bit of a disagreement, okay, and I did something wrong, I did something stupid, and I'm driving home, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if she's going to let me in. I wonder if she's changed the locks on me. That's going to affect whether or not I go home. If I think I have a home, like, that's going to, so I need to know that, yes, I'm a sinner, and yes, I've done the worst, and yes, I'm the worst of the worst, and I don't deserve heaven. But I need to know with confidence that when I go home and I knock on the door and I say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I know he's going to open the door. And if I struggle with that, I'm going to struggle in life. Now, what do you say if I don't repent, if I'm not repentant? And then the answer is very simple. Repent. Were you crazy? Like, are you crazy? Like, I'm saying this in the nicest way possible. Are you crazy? You've been deceived. What do you mean if I repent, if I don't repent? Why wouldn't you repent? The end is coming. The end is coming. Whatever it is you're fighting for, it's going to be over. The end is coming. I'm not saying I don't sin. I'm not saying we don't make sins. I'm saying we all sin. But the issue isn't do we sin. The issue is do we repent? So you saying, I don't know if I'm ready to repent. Get ready. Because that was the, what the gospel said, that the end will come as a blank in the night. What's a blank in the night? A thief. If I told you a thief is going to come sometime this night, you're going to roll the dice and say it'll probably be around 3 or 4, so I'm going to go to sleep and get up at 3 or 4 to lock the door? Of course not. The end is coming as a thief in the night, so I'm not ready to repent. Get ready. This isn't a game. Like I'm saying, like I said it jokingly and funny, this isn't a game. This is real. And the church gives us these two weeks to remind us that the end is coming. Why would you wait to repent? You repent immediately. <clears throat> and when you repent, you knock on that door with repentance. And I'm sorry. You trust. The door always opens. The door always opens. And that should be on the forefront of our mind. In this world, we're on a journey, on a race. And it will end. I'm not here to say, you know, it's going to end next week and, you know, this is the sign. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't understand that stuff. There's smarter people who can tell you that. But I know that it'll end. I know the church gives us these two weeks to focus on that, and then after that, we're going to focus on something else. Not because the end is past or anything like that, but the church tells us, you know, keeps us balanced. Focus on the end for a little bit, focus on everything for a little bit. And I'm saying I don't want these two weeks to go by, and I want to finish this. I don't want to finish the same way I started. Imagine we're on a trip. <clears throat> Again, I'll go back to the wife example. Imagine that I'm on a trip, <clears throat> and I'm away from my family, and I call my family, and I tell them, you know, they say, I miss you. We can't wait for you to come home. And I say, 
Yeah, I don't really think about home that much. I'm really keeping but kind of busy right here. But thanks. I, pre I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm not really thinking about home too much. Can you imagine that? What do you say when you're away from home? What I say is, I miss you. I miss my home. I can't wait to come home. It stinks that we're apart, but I can't wait to be home. Because that's where I belong. But if I'm away, and I'm not thinking about home, there's a problem. And that's the deception. Is that some of us, where we, this is not our home. We are away. And the question that our Heavenly Father is asking is, do you think about coming home? Is that on your mind? Are you comfortable where you are? <clears throat> I don't think Jesus gave us this passage today to scare us. I don't think he was trying to scare his disciples by telling him. Just like I don't think the, 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 the professor is trying to scare the students with the exam, I think he's trying to prepare the students by telling them the exam is coming. I think Jesus is not trying to scare us. He's trying to prepare us to say, look, I sent you down there. You're in a race. The end is coming. The end is harder. The end you push a little bit harder. And the end, yeah, you're going to hurt a little bit more. But that's okay. You do it because you know that the end is near. You keep your eyes focused on the finish line. And any athlete, anyone who's run knows that if you got your eyes on the finish line, again, when, 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 when you do a, a, a long race, in the middle of the race is the worst because it's just step after step and the horizon just, keep, it just never gets closer. But when you see that little finish line right there and the people with the Gatorades waiting for you and the little the Hawaiian thing they're about to put on you right there, okay, you see that, that pushes you. In the end, yeah, it's harder, but you're not focused on the harder. You're focused on, I got to get to the end because once I get to the end, then I'm going to rest, then I'm going to relax, and it's going to be all good. I'm not deceived thinking that I live here on the race. I'm not, I'm not setting up, you know, the, the, the squatter's rights. I'm like, this is my property here on the race. This is just a temporary. I actually, I can't wait to get out of here. I want to get there. And I pray that me and you and all of us are people whose eyes are always focused up. And we can't wait to get there. Now, we, we're not there yet. So, yes, we do have to have homes right now. But the home is just the thing that keeps us protected from the rain. But that's what we're trying to get to. And, and, and we're not there yet, so we have to have jobs, and we have to have money, but really, our money, we take it. How can we glorify God with our money? Like, how can we build his kingdom? Because we're not just trying to build our own kingdom, because this money's going to go away, because I'm going I'm to get through the race, and I'm going to get everything I need there. So we're not deceived. We're not troubled. We're not deceived. We're people with our eyes focused up on heaven. And I promise you, focusing on heaven will change the way we live on this earth today. That's my hope and my prayer, is that we learn how to keep our eyes looking up and not deceived with sin cares, pleasures of this world, okay, and we're people who know where our ultimate home is, and one day we will cross that finish line, and it will be joyful beyond imagination, and let us keep that at the forefront of our minds when we face all the troubles of this world and the stuff and the junk in this world, let's keep in mind this is not our home, there's a race that's going to end, and it's going to be beautiful when we get there, glory be to God forever, amen. Blessed. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.